Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week we talked to author Marie-Claire Ross, who has a new book called Trusted to Thrive, How Leaders Create Connected and Accountable Teams. What an amazing book and what interesting insights. Today we just talked about one part of the book, but you should really check out the whole book. The link will be in the description. It's a really amazing chat, even though it is not the full hour, it is really, really dense. So you'll find a lot of good stuff in there. Enjoy and have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. Now, this week, we have a very exciting one because we're going to be incorporating our interview and ML recommendation into one episode for the very first time, and we've got a great person to do that with, but we'll get to them in one second. Let's just check in with the usual team and see what they're up to, the usual suspects. Uh, Al, how are you going this week? I'm going great, Jess. I've got a bit of spare time up my sleeve. I was going back to the farm in New South Wales to help out with harvest, but it is just far too wet and they're having so many problems. They said, give it a couple of weeks and come down then and hopefully they'll be into full swing by then. Mm, mm, true. And so what have you been up to instead? I have called the kite um, kite surfing instructor and let him know that, yes, I am available and yeah, waiting every day for the call. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we're excited to hear how that kite surfing develops, Al. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Graham, how have you been this week? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Jess. Uh, most of the week in Canberra. So I got home late last night, but uh, it's great to be home. The weather uh, is looking spectacularly good at the moment, although to Al's point, it's still pretty soggy underfoot. But um, yeah, we're getting there. And sadly, uh, I have had zero phone calls from the kite surfing instructor. I don't understand that, but it's, there we go. It's disappointing. Al's hogging all of them at the moment, it seems like. Apparently. <laughs> and our guest, Marie Claire, how are you going this week? I'm going really well. I had had a good week and I, I did something a little bit unusual. Last night, I got a free ticket to Flume's concert. So I went to a concert at five o'clock and I had to sit on my own because my daughter got a free ticket for one person and I just sat on my own and had a really great time. So... That's amazing. <laughs> well, and uh, did it go, how late did it go? Uh, oh, well, you know, 11.30, 11.15, I think. But nice it was really one. good. And there's just something, you know, something spontaneous and got to dance and have fun. So it was all good. I love that. That's amazing. Uh, thanks, Marie-Claire. Well, uh, so if you that voice you've just heard is the person that we are going to be interviewing today, who is Marie-Claire Ross. And Marie-Claire Ross, you are actually going to be our ML recommendation for this week. With your new book, Trusted to Thrive, How Leaders Create Connected and Accountable Teams. Now, this book is really fascinating and there's a lot of interesting things in it. And so for this week, we've just boiled it down to one of the sections of your book. Uh, and we're going to be talking about fostering safety in the workplace. But before we get to that part, I just had one or two questions about the book. Since you're here and uh, and for those that are watching, you'll be able to see the book in the background there uh, of Marie Claire's screen. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Go pick it up. There's a link in the uh, description of this podcast. There it is as well. Graham's got it right there. Um, so I just had, uh, I, for me, one of the things that I really liked and I was really fascinated by was the connection between trusting your team and putting them in a flow state. And there was one excerpt that I thought sort of described this really well. And I just wanted to get a little bit of uh, your thoughts on this, which was, uh, this is just from the book. Uh, and this is talking about teams uh, being in a positive space. 
It creates a positive buzz, a hum, an energy that we crave. And it's a place where we thrive as human beings, where we feel energized and empowered, connected and aligned through shared identity and purpose. We feel valued, creative, and safe to share our opinion. It's a place where we feel that all is possible, that we're in this together, and that the hard work is worth it. And that's talking about what can happen in a in a well, in a great uh, organization where everyone's trusting each other. Uh, I guess for me, uh, I, I maybe I was just going to get you, maybe it's not really a question, but I just want you to maybe talk a little bit about the connection between trust and flow. Uh, well, that excerpt that you read, that actually is a culmination from memory of about three or four people. Because I, I, I do a lot of interviews. Uh, I've got a research background. So... Uh, I had leaders that talked to me about when they had been in a team that they trusted, that they were trusted and everyone trusted each other. And they were the words that different people used and I kind of meshed them all together. Uh, But you you could see people go almost misty-eyed when they talk about it because, you know, as human beings, when we're seen, valued and appreciated, uh, it, it gives us that Uh, real comfort that we can relax and you know when we're in that more positive state we do go into that flow state where you know work doesn't feel like work it's just pure joy particularly with when you're with some really great people solving problems together beautiful yeah and yeah it's uh, I just thought that was so fascinating and thanks so much for explaining that I guess yeah my other question that I just had was you, you mentioned in this book that you interviewed a lot of different CEOs and as you were just saying, then you have a research background, so that's part of it. Was there a particularly big insight that you got when it comes to interviewing CEOs about trust? Was there, was, is there a moment that stands out to you that you were like, oh, this is fascinating? Yeah, so what, what I found really interesting, like uh, some of the leaders, and they weren't all CEOs, some were senior executives and some were in like, lots of different levels I interview people but what I found really fascinating was that there were some leaders that I interviewed that I would call a trusted leader and by that they were high performing and they get their teams into the achievement zone which I talk about in the book and and you can see that through the revenue they create and the the value they create for their businesses but what was really interesting about these people was that they would spend time least once a week, usually on a Sunday night, self-reflecting on their leadership behaviours. And by that, they weren't going, okay, what are the results I've got this week? They weren't looking at the what, they were looking at the how. You know, how have I behaved in relation to my values or whatever it is? And in fact, quite a few of them, unbeknownst to me, were using one of my models and reflect using that as a reflection tool. One guy had it on his fridge to look at every morning before he went to work. Um, and, and this is what I found fascinating. And they would say, well, you know, they would ask themselves every week, what am I doing to create safety with my team? And then reflect on their performance. Um, and it's that leadership reflection, which really ties into self-awareness, which is another whole huge topic, um, which I find, you know, trusted leaders are really self-aware and conscious and intentional of how they're behaving. Amazing. Well, that's that's so good. And uh, all of these things are in the book as well. If people are liking what they're hearing, definitely go check it out. Uh, and I think just off the back of that, I think we've got a great first question, which I'll throw to Graham today. So the topic that we're picking is just one section from the book, which is fostering safety in the workplace. Um, but Graham, I, what's your question? And tell me a little bit about why you picked it. Thanks, Jess. So we're um, 
probably in a similar space in some respects doing um, a lot of work with clients at the moment on building high-performing teams, improving communication and, and um, as you make clear in your book, you know, trust is the bedrock of all of that. If you don't get trust right, nothing else works as well as it could. Um, and I'm also sort of really mindful of the one of the potential sort of risks we're focusing on leaders creating the safe space and creating trust is it can potentially leave um, the people who work in, in their team believing that building trust is not their responsibility as well, if that makes sense. Um, so my question was, you know, how do we, and, and this sort of comes from some of the feedback we've had from clients, how do we create um, a safe space for our team, how do we build more trust in our team if I don't feel trust or safety from my own manager? So it's like, you know, what? how do we ignore or work around that sort of cascading effect when the trust and safety isn't necessarily coming down from higher up? Yeah, and this, it's actually a really good question. And I do see evidence of this. And one of the interesting things, when we have a bad leader or a toxic leader, they are really good role models in how not to lead. And so tapping into that self-awareness, what I find is great leaders will actually see those people and go, oh, I don't want to behave like this. These are the things I'm going to do instead. And so I often find that sometimes you'll get really good trusted leaders that have had, you know, terrible bosses and really made a call to not be like that. Now, we can all say those sorts of things. It doesn't mean it happens. You know, I'm sure all of us have said at some stage, oh, gosh, my mother was terrible. I'm never going to be like my mother. And then we do it. So you've got to be really, really self-aware and intentional. Yep. And, you know, I believe that a trusted leader is, is really like someone who, who goes into that team and turns on the light and is really transparent, really helps people to really understand who they are, better themselves as a, a person, see the right ways of behaviour, hold everyone to that standard, behave like that as well. And it creates this beautiful, warm environment. And it can take time, but that you can definitely have leaders, they've got to be strong leaders in themselves, who actually can take a team in a terrible environment everywhere yeah. else, yeah. but focus on that environment and make everyone feel important. And of course, the tricky thing is, as human beings, we can, our levels of how trusted we are by others is dependent on the context. And so in a situation where it's quite toxic, what most people do is they default to the lowest level because it's accepted and it just it seems easier yep. just to do what everyone else is doing. But really good, trusted leaders, empathetic leaders will actually, you know, do always live by their values and do the right thing by others and create an environment. And what I'll find is that those leaders are like talent magnets. Everyone wants to work in that team because of how they're behaving and leading and really exemplifying what good leadership looks like. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. It's almost like becoming a um, an employer of choice. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, so, it's actually really good for other employees to see that uh, and other leaders because once, you know, it, it, it can become quite contagious, particularly if that leader is performing so well and everyone can see that, then everyone realises that they need to step up and it can actually work towards improving the culture. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marie-Claire. Um, I might jump into Danette's question uh, because though she's not on today, she did send in a question. And I guess it's kind of the flip side of uh, almost Graham's, but a little bit, it's, it's got some other elements that were in Graham's question. So what are some things that leaders do that don't foster safety in the workplace? Yeah, I love this question. And, and this, again, it falls into what I find is a lot of leaders can, you know, we all have blind spots and biases and we're not aware of our behaviours. And so the, the one that's really important is verbal tone and, you know, even body language. So to give you an example, I was observing a team. This is back in the day before COVID, just before COVID. And it was a leadership team. And the, the CIO said to me, look, I don't know why they don't feel safe. I, you know, let them ask me challenging questions. I do all these things. So I went and watched this meeting and sure enough, someone challenged him about a process and said, look, this process we're doing is ridiculous. It's not working. And his body language and his whole demeanor just changed. He crossed his arms. He got aggressive. He leaned over the table. He started yelling. And then amazingly in this team, someone else chirped in and said, I agree, this process isn't like, oh, well, then he, you know, he kicked away his, like the body language was just over the top. I had no idea that he was creating so, uh, such a big issue with safety. And this was, you know, a government institution. So safety is usually pretty bad. Uh, and, you know, even though he was good at asking questions and being challenged, there were some really good things he was doing. He was <laughs> letting it all fall by the wayside because he was so defensive and dismissive and getting angry. Um, in his mind, it was all, you know, kind of like in jest. But, it, you know, I could understand why the other 20 members were all sitting there just, you know, shaking. <laughs> Um, so verbal tone and body language is really important. And sometimes we're not aware we're doing it. And then another thing is um, not thanking people, which sounds really silly, but if people don't know what they're doing right or there's no kind of feedback uh, or, you know, even thanks for what they're doing, then, you know, people worry they're not doing the right thing and um, that causes issues. And then the other one is, and we can go into this a bit deeper, but around communication. So uh, particularly around making expectations clear, people's job roles and responsibilities, because when we don't have that information, we, we just go into fear because we don't know what's going on. Mm. Perfect. And I think that is that sets up Alan's question just perfectly, Marie-Claire. So let's throw over to Al. Al, tell us about your question and why you chose it as well. I think you've led into this one beautiful, Marie-Claire, and even just awareness, I guess, fits into my question. And that is how important are clearly communicated expectations in fostering safety in the workplace? And I'm even thinking of, you know, we're not aware sometimes of what our expectations are on other people or even ourselves. Yeah, well, that's just the thing. And, and it's actually such a massive impact. Um, one of the things I do go through in the book is like an accountability structure. Um, you know, when I was in market research, we would always write a research brief, which would make it very clear all the things that needed to be done. So when I started running my own business and running my own teams, I would do that even with my staff. So they all knew the objective, <laughs> the goals, what good look like. And leaders need to do that. And often where they get unstuck is that they're, you know, as you said, they don't know. So, you know, when people don't know what's expected of them, they, you know, go into a really 
suboptimal part of the brain. So they go into fight, flight or freeze mode. And this is one of the things as human beings, like it sounds really silly, but interpersonal risk is such a big thing that we're always worried about. We are always worried about what other people are thinking about us, whether we've done the right thing. You know, people want to please their boss. And so when a leader doesn't make things clear, that becomes really frightening. And, you know, I... um. As a child, I remember how hard it was when, you know, you do something at school or at home and it was the wrong thing, but you didn't know and you'd get told off. And you'd be like, but I didn't know that was the wrong thing. And that was actually worse because then you'd get really fearful. And back in those days, you'd get slapped. <laughs> so that was really fearful. But that's the same at the workplace. Sometimes, you know, people are set up. Um, and they don't know that they've done something wrong and they just, you know, get yelled at or told off or they're told the wrong thing. You know, when leaders flip-flop on their, you know, their rules. Like, for example, I have an 18-year-old. She's just started kind of working full-time before she starts uni. And she told me that her new boss said at the start, oh, you can start whatever time during the week, you know, either 8 o'clock or 8.30 um, or 9.30. And she was really happy with that. So she was just changing those times and then she found out yesterday her boss was really angry at her because she's meant to choose the one time every day to start work and you know little things like that so you know if a really good one-on-one -on -one conversation could have stopped that and stopped the boss from being angry at my daughter and then my daughter from doing the wrong thing so you know we need to have really good dialogue with our direct reports. Thanks for that Marie-Claire. Um, and I might even just throw a sort of follow up on that, if that's all right, Marie Claire. I just because yeah, sure. uh, you remind because that that story and what you're talking about just then reminds me. Sometimes uh, those communication uh, problems can occur when one person who's in a more senior position has done things one way, and then someone who's new does it in a different way that's still effective, but it doesn't match up exactly with how the original person was doing it. Is there, a, I guess what my question about that is, is there easy ways to help people maybe understand that people do stuff differently or is there a way to build trust in a sort of different way there? Uh... Well, you know what? What this really requires are leaders who always come from the perspective, and this is hard, uh, to actually understand that when someone makes a mistake, they haven't done it deliberately. There is probably a reason. And to actually take on the responsibility, hey, if my direct report makes a mistake, it's probably on me because I've probably miscommunicated. And so it's actually coming to the situation, not with blame and anger, <laughs> but actually seeking to understand, you know, what it, you know, finding out their perspective, what they interpreted, you know, asking the question after you give a directive, what did you Tell me in your own words what you heard me tell you. You know, just coming from that perspective, because we all communicate differently. We've all got different styles. Um, you know, as we get older, we forget stuff um, or we think we've told someone something. And so as leaders, we actually should be a little bit more humble and think, well, maybe I've said something wrong or incorrect. You know, unless you've got it in writing in that like accountability brief I was talking about before where it's all pretty crystal clear, but then, okay, maybe, but, you know, it's having that dialogue. Perfect. Yeah. And that's a great tip. Thanks so much for that. Um, I might jump into my question now. I've got kind of a two-parter here, which mm -hmm. is what are benefits for a company that fosters safety for their employees? And then the second part is how does that safety help your employees thrive? 
Yeah, there are so many and there, there are lots of studies, but, you know, just overall, what you really, how it benefits an organisation, if I start there, is that because people are, are feeling like they are safe to speak up about issues, they will be, you know, more likely to innovate and to create together and take risks because, you know, any sort of creativity involves making mistakes. And so organisationally that happens. So what you'll find is that changes are easier. When people are fearful of change, it's, you know, they might be fearful of making a mistake or doing the wrong thing. So, you know, creating that environment is really important. It's tricky because, you know, as human beings, we're always a little bit scared of, you know, getting out of our comfort zone. So there's that aspect, which is good. So you have all that really open dialogue. You can innovate, you can solve problems. Decisions get made faster, which is really, really important. So you're not having all that kind of... Um, you know, not being stuck in like the mud. Uh, things are happening faster, and there's this great sense of momentum. And and then from a, an employee perspective, you know, there's lots of studies that show that you know people have better health and well-being. Um, there's less turnover, um, more engagement, more productivity, all sorts of things that unpack that. But you know, what's I find really interesting is that when you have a lack of safety, you know, usually that can signify a toxic workplace. And I'll often find when I go into a workplace, if people are scared of speaking up, there, you know, there are some big cultural issues. And sometimes it's because of their heritage, you know, command and control, male-dominated organizations too tend to have more fear. But you know, essentially when we really have that safety people will you know talk openly about issues so things don't become bigger and you know you get people just you know turnover is not so high so there was a study that was done recently that found that when you have a toxic workplace they have 10.6 times more attrition uh, in comparison to, you know, people will leave because of the toxic workplace, particularly now. Um, and it was 10.6 times more important to people than pay or compensation. So it's quite huge. Yeah, wow. Yeah, thanks. And that's a startling statistic. I think that's really amazing. And I think this, the, a little bit of what you were talking about is also you have a little metaphor at the start of the book that's about uh, an elevator and everybody getting in. And, you know, if, you, if it's a sort of safe and uh good business everyone goes straight to the top and they're all together but if it's a bit more discombobulated people are getting off at different stops and it takes a long time and uh, I think that that also resonates with me when I'm hearing you talk about it now it reminds me of that part of the book uh, I guess now the final question that we've got here is from Kanika and I think this is a good one to end on because it can help people uh, uh, sort of do some of these steps themselves what are some steps companies can take today to become a workplace that offers safety to their employees yeah, well, it really does start with a few things. So training's really important. And, you know, leaders can't just be expected to do this themselves. So that can, you know, take the form of more workshops, coaching. You really want to break open that self-awareness because leaders often aren't aware that they're doing stuff that's scaring people. <laughs> um, and, you know, that goes, that taps into 360s as well. And I know you guys do 360s. Um, that sort of information, having that external feedback of how you're behaving and how people um, 
you know, are responding is really important. I, for bigger organizations, I thought, think it's also really important to have, you know, whistleblower uh, phone lines where you can ring an external party and talk about what's going on. But, you know, for leaders themselves, you know, there are three things that I unpack in the book and it's, you know, working on reducing that interpersonal risk. So, you know, being aware of your body language, but, you know, making sure your body language is working with you, not against you. So, you know, having eye contact with people in meetings, you know, if you're on Zoom, everyone can see each other, things like that. It's showing support, you know, really supporting people in their career aspirations, and it's also about um, continuous learning as a team because, you know, learning is safe and, it, you know, we, we learn better when we're safe and protected. So actually bringing learning into your teams, whether that's, you know, a little bit of a learning session in a team meeting or, you know, talking to people about their personal goals and learning and giving them opportunities. Um, those sorts of little things can be so big in improving safety. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marie-Claire. Well, I might get some final thoughts from the team um, before we wrap up here. So Al, any final thoughts on fostering safety in the workplace or any of the uh, any other things that you thought about today while we're having the chat? Um, quite a lot of things have stood out today. I guess one of the big ones for me is that interpersonal risk and having the awareness. I often relate things back to my family here and one of my daughters often says to me, you know, why, have, why are you angry all of a sudden, Dad? I say, I'm not angry, sweetheart. Thinking, I wonder what I was a moment ago when I wasn't aware. Yeah, it's so true. And and sometimes it's not even that we're angry, but people misinterpret it. And like, you know, mm. with my face, like I have to try really hard to smile, like literally like this. Otherwise, I, I kind of look, if I'm, I think I'm smiling and people will tell me you don't look happy. And I went, but I'm smiling. And they go, no, you're not. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's my face. Um, so, you know, we're often not aware that we've got grumpy face or that we might be a little bit terse because, you know, our, our brains are somewhere else. That's a great point and reminds me of my wife who often asks, you know, why are you so sad? And again, I think I'm not sad, but yeah, I have a similar face that looks sad when it's relaxed. <laughs> yeah. It's like we need to paint on like a clown mouth sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Make out we're, we're happy. <laughs> well, that's a great takeaway. Paint on a clown face. Uh... <laughs> well, you know what? Laughter and having jokes with a team increases safety as well. So that's not saying you have to be like a clown, but <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Um, Graham, any final thoughts from today's chat or fostering safety in the workplace? Uh, yeah, loads. Um, I, I like the, you know, the resting average face. I'm not sure average isn't the right word, but, but I get that, you know, some of us have to work a little bit harder at it. Um, it, it also reminded me of a phrase that Jeanette used in a workshop last year, which was check your face. Like when you go to work or when you get on a Zoom call or walk through the door and check your face, what's going on here? Because particularly if you're the leader, people around you are going to be looking to see where you're at. Um, I, I love the, the share that one of the points you made early on about leaders choosing to reflect. Um, I, I agree. I think it's it's so important. It's We don't learn from experience if we don't reflect on the experience. I think so. That was, that was awesome. And I just really quickly, I'd love to get your thoughts on one of the, the common um, pushbacks, I think, for, for people in sort of leadership management roles 
about not engaging more fully, you know, clarifying expectations and having that deeper conversation to make sure that we're both clear um, and, and learning more about their people. One of the, the common sort of complaints is, oh, we're time poor. And I wondered your thoughts on whether it's that sort of short-term gain, long-term pain thing. So we we tell ourselves we haven't got time to do it properly now, but it causes so many other problems down the track that would probably take more of our time. Yeah, and that's just it. And I do find uh, that people who do say that tend to be more technically oriented and they feel comfortable in the technical yeah. Um, but yeah. what I find with all my leaders that I know who are amazing, they dedicate time, a certain amount of time during their week to catch up with people. Um, I never forget a CEO that I worked with, like he just never seemed to be working, but he just always had time in his calendar to um, have those people could drop in. Yeah, nice. And, you know, always having, you know, making time for people. You know, it can be a very good excuse. I've got no time. Um, you know, I've a client I was working with, their staff were on rosters and, you know, off at different hours all throughout the 24 hours. Then they don't get to see um, them. And so there was pushback. Well, we can't do one-on-ones because we don't see them. And, you know, I was just saying you could just have a five-minute phone call you know, there are, there are other things you can do. There's always and a way, yeah. There is. And yeah. it's and sometimes you have to brainstorm but and you have to make a sacrifice. Um, it might mean, you know, delegating stuff or not doing stuff, but, you know, putting people first at the heart of everything that you do is so important if you want a high-functioning team. Mm. And, you know, long-term, yes, there's a bit of pain, but, you know, once you do that effort and people know they can trust you, um, it's so much easier um, and it can take time. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and it took him three years to get his team to trust him. Yeah. You know, that was in quite a toxic environment, but the payoff's great. there. Yeah, great perseverance. Exactly. Yeah. I see that very often. Yeah, true. Thank you. Cool. And uh, yeah, so thanks again so much, Marie Claire. This has been such a great conversation. I feel like I've taken so much away. I also just thought, the concept of good leaders becoming talent magnets as well is such an interesting and important thing to sort of know. And I guess uh, some other things I took away is like a lack of expectations can equal flight, flight or freeze response and fearful of change can also just be a fear of mistakes. All that stuff is just so fascinating to me. I said, this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Uh, before we go though, I do want to get any final thoughts you have on fostering safety in the workplace. It's, it's, it's what, what's so beautiful about fostering safety. I actually love that we're even having this conversation. So I know that the world's a little bit scary and a little bit weird at the moment. And in fact, it's been a bit scary and weird for quite a while now. Uh, but, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we were talking about the need to create an emotionally safe workplace. And the very fact that we're doing this is so critical for where we're going forward. You know, it's really about accepting people for who they are, you know, whether it's their religion, their gender identity, all, all sorts of things. And, you know, the younger generation that we've got going through uh, coming into the workplace now is very different. Um, generation Z are a very interesting <laughs> young group of people. And, you know, what they want from work is very different and how they see gender and sexuality and all those sorts of things and how they want to be treated is very different from other generations. So, you know, creating safety 
is such a beautiful thing that we even want to do. And I love that this is even a topic of conversation because, you know, when we don't have safety, when people aren't talking about the stuff that's happening, it really allows bad behaviours to flourish. And so this is the opportunity that we have as leaders to create beautiful, thriving workplaces that really elevate the human experience. Because when people go to work and enjoy their jobs and the people they're with, you know, they're happier and, you know, the flow on effect to their families and friends and everyone around them is huge. And so, you know, really believing in safety and working towards it is, is just a great thing for humanity. Well, we're so happy that you came on today and talked about it because it was such a such an interesting part of the book. And I think that uh, we're all so happy that you're on. Thank you so much for being on the ML podcast today. And thanks for being our first ever ML recommendation interview. That's so exciting. As we mentioned, it is an ML recommendation and we definitely recommend you go check out Trusted to Thrive, how leaders create connected and accountable teams. The link is going to be in the description so you can go grab that right now. And to find out more, like I said, this was just one section of the book. There's plenty more in there to find out. Uh, But Marie Claire, thank you so much for being on the ML podcast. And to everybody, have a magical week.